Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Today we're talking about purpose. That's one of my purposes, so that's what we're here for. Amen. So, uh, but turn to your neighbor and say purpose. And so we've been walking through the four steps of our church, uh, one for each week, which we'll break down in just a minute. But how many guys know that oftentimes when we're talking about purpose, and a lot of times when we use language like purpose, we also use like language uh, like fulfillment. And so we, our, our goal and our desire in our lives is to live a life of purpose and a life of fulfillment. And what I've realized, and it took me a while to realize this, is that Oftentimes, for many people, we feel like the life of purpose and a life of fulfillment is a destination we'll eventually get to. Am I right? So you, you feel like, if I could just get to here, right, and I'll prove it to you. How many guys have ever thought in your life, man, if I could just make this amount of money, like I'll feel like we got there. If I could just get to this place in my job, if I could just get this house, if I could just get this car. How many of you have realized that when you make the amount of money you thought was the goal, there's a new amount that you want now, right? How many guys have realized that if you bought that house you always wanted, how many guys know there's a bigger one now you want? If you bought the car you always wanted, there's another car, there's always an, like, why? Because a life of fulfillment isn't a destination. And let me just help you out for a second, because this is why I feel like if many of us could grab a hold of this reality, it could change the way we, the way we approach our lives, it's not about a destination, it's about a process. It's about realizing that fulfillment and purpose is something you do every day, not something you eventually get to. And I say it like this, it, it's not about a destination of fulfillment, it's about a journey of it. So imagine this, imagine realizing that fulfillment and purpose wasn't something you eventually get to, it's something you choose to wake up every day and do. If you live a life of fulfillment, you're going to wake up today. And guess what the whole point of today is? To do it so well, you want to wake up and do it again tomorrow. And like, I, I know I've worked jobs before that I love. I love my job now. Um, praise God, right? So that would be bad if I didn't. Uh, I, I love my job now. I love what I do. Um, and I don't ever feel like I have to get up and go to work. You want to know why? Because my, my goal for today, my goal for this week, my goal for this year isn't to get to a destination. The greatest life I can live right now is to live a life today that makes me want to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. And imagine living life where you weren't trying to get to the end of something, but you were enjoying every second of the middle of it. And that's what a life of fulfillment and purpose really is. It's living a life where you're right in the middle of doing exactly what God built you to do. The problem is, for many of us, we have this misconception of what purpose and fulfillment really looks like. And so, real quick, I just want to give you three things that do not, you do not need to have a fulfilled life. So, just real quick, I'll give you these three. Three things you do not need to live a fulfilled life. The first one is fame. You do not need fame notoriety to live a fulfilled life. Doesn't matter how many Instagram followers you have, TikTok followers you have, doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter what you have, fame doesn't make you fulfilled. As a matter of fact, I would even say sometimes it makes it worse. How many of you have realized in a social media age, the more people that know who you are, it feels like you have the less people that actually know you. 
right? Uh, I remember they did a study. It was like five or seven years ago. It was when Facebook was the main social media platform, so that'll tell you something. Uh, but they said the, the, uh, the average person has 3,000 Facebook friends but doesn't have one person they could call to pick them up from the hospital. And that's where a lot of people are when it deals with how we live our lives now versus how we lived our lives 20 years ago. And so uh, fame isn't always super helpful. The next thing you don't have to have is familiarity. What I mean by familiarity is comfort. A lot of us, what we're chasing in our life is a comfortable life, but a comfortable life isn't a costly life. And Jesus called us to a costly life more than a comfortable one. And so he used language like, take up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself. Live a life after me. I don't know about you, but none of those things have ever been comfortable for me. They've always been costly. And so living a life for Jesus is costly. So a fulfilled life, which, by the way, comes from God, is not going to be a comfortable one. It's not going to be always be a familiar one. How many of you would know with me, sometimes it takes you down roads you didn't know you were going on? Right? Anybody Jesus ever took a left when you thought you were going right? Come on. Right? And you, took, you pick your head up and you're like, God, I don't know how we got here. Right? But I had other plans. And so familiarity is one of them. And then the last one is fortune. You don't need a fortune. You don't need money. You don't have to be rich to live a fulfilled life. Now, I will say this. It does help. Can we all agree? Okay, good. So we can all agree. It does help. It's just not a requirement. All right? Uh, I always tell people, if God blessed you with an income and even excess income, he did it so that you could use that to make a difference in other people's lives. Right? So in, thank God for good jobs. All right. One time I was preaching, I was like, you just need to live a life after God. And someone was like, you know what, pa Pastor Brad, I think I'm about quitting my job. And I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. I was like, do you have another one lined up? Nope. I just feel God. I was like, ah, I'm not telling you God didn't say that. I'm just saying maybe you need to fast about it. You know what I mean? Like just pray a little more. But you don't have to have finances doesn't automatically give you a fulfilled life because I can point you to a lot of rich people that are miserable. All right. So it's about something more than that. So what is it? Right. And uh, I remember Pastor Dan telling me this over and over. And over the years, I found out that it is true. And he says this. He says, what do the rich man and the poor man have in common? Neither of them wishes they had more wealth the day they died. What do the poor man and the rich man have in common? Neither of them wishes they had more wealth when they die. So every I, I've had the ability and, and I would even say honor to sit next to uh, people as they transition out of this life, and, and most of them into heaven uh, for the bedsides that I've been beside. And I tell you what, almost every single one of them wish they had two things. One, they wish they had more time with the people they love, all right, and so family, friends. And the second one, which is what I want to talk to us about today, is most of them wish they had, they had made a greater impact in their life than they did. It wasn't that about the bigger house or more money. I wish I had done more with my life to help change other people's lives. That's what most people say. And so today we want to look at purpose. And, and in, this, in the world of, uh, uh, of needs, there's something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And they did a study to find out what is it that people need the most. What are, the, what are the things that people need in their lives to function, to live, et cetera? And originally they had five, and they discovered there's actually eight. And so I just want to give them to you quickly to help you understand some of the things in your life. Because here's the deal. Let me just help you out for a second. Some of you are trying to figure out why your life is full but not fulfilled. So how many of you know I don't need anything else on my calendar? 
Anybody? Anybody? Okay, right? I don't need anything else on my calendar. It's full, and yet, if I'm not careful, I can live unfulfilled. So what's the difference? And I want to give some help you out today with that. The first thing, the first need you have is your physical needs, right? So you need to eat in Jesus' name. Come on, anybody? I love to eat. Come on, that's what I do, baby. All right, so... Um, for the people getting baptized today, they had donuts back there, and I walked past it, and it was like, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, we need like, but you, you need to eat, you need to drink, uh, you know what I mean? You need to be hydrated, you need to sleep, right? Uh, some of you, uh, ladies, let me help you out for a second. You can't replace water with iced coffee and survive for long. Okay, so uh, you, we we need to function. You can't replace sleep with iced coffee either. Okay, so or food for that matter. Matter of fact, just stop it with the iced coffee already. Okay, just kidding. My wife is listening. Okay, so, but all that to say, you have physical needs. You have things that you need, right? The next thing, you have safety needs. You have a need to be safe. This is the reason we lock our doors at night. It blows my mind that my parents' generation never locked their doors. I will wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, uncertain as to whether or not I locked my truck, walk outside with no shoes on, and point my thing around the corner, like, just to make sure my car is locked, let alone my house. So we all have a safety need. We want to be safe. And then we all have a love need. This need to be loved, to have relationships, to have connection with people, right? To give love, to feel love. That is a need that each one of us have. And so it helps encourage our lives when we're loved. Then there's the esteem needs, right? The esteem needs. And with the esteem needs, that's uh, the achievements. You have this need in your life to accomplish things, right? Everybody loves a good attaboy on the shoulder, right? Like, good job. There's an achievement need, an esteem need, where you're accomplishing something great in your life. You're doing something with your life, and you've accomplished something. That's why some people, uh, they, they like to have their trophies on display, right? They, there's something about accomplishing something great that every person wants to have, right? And then there's the cognitive need. And the cognitive need is the need to know things, to, to obtain knowledge. This is the reason why the Discovery Channel exists, right? Are you ever going to be in the mountains somewhere and need to know how to survive an avalanche? Probably not. But you still watch it, right? Does Shark Week make me want to stay out of the ocean? Yes, but I can't turn it off right? Some of you have done more investigative work on submarines this past week than you ever have in your life. And I don't say that to make a joke about the situation. I pray that God is with their families, but you understand what I'm saying. You have researched more about submarines this week than you ever have ever, right? Why? There's something about obtaining knowledge. We all have a need in us to learn something, right? And so we, we all have that. I, I tell people all the time, they're like, I'm th we're thinking about moving to Florida from New Jersey. I'm like, just Google Florida alligators and see if you still want to do that. All right. So just check that out. This, <laughs> this past week, someone posted a picture of a bear, an alligator, and a shark in our waters. So come on and move here. We're full. All right. So <laughs> then we have aesthetic needs. Our aesthetic needs is, is our appreciation for beauty. We need to see beauty, understand beauty. That's the reason why you love looking at sunsets and sunrises and artwork. There's this thing about aesthetics that you want to appreciate. And then the last two are the ones that we actually want to get to today. The first one out of the last two is our self-actualization needs. And you actually have a need for your life to matter. Like a self, I, I have a need to realize my life matters for something and that it has purpose and I've done something with my life. 
So you have a, a self-actualization needs. And, and so this is the reason why when you've ever, if you've ever given someone $5 on the street corner, it did something in you more than it did something in them. That's what's happening. It's this, man, my life counted for something today. And you actually have a need for that to happen, which is why if you go too long without helping someone else, you'll actually find yourself needing help. So you have a self-actualization need. And the last one it kind of takes a spin on the self-actualization need, and it's called the transcendence need. And it's not just that your life needs to make a difference. It's that your life needs to make a difference beyond you. you know, I'll put it this way. It's that your life needs to go beyond just what you can do today. You need to know that your life made an eternal or long-lasting, a multi-generational impact. It's that you want your life to not just impact this person that's in front of me, but what if I can make a difference in their life that will make a difference in their kids' lives and their grandkids' lives that would go on for generations? Knowing that you can make a difference that goes beyond yourself is something God pre-wired inside of you. And I'll put it to you this way, the greatest life you could ever live is living a life beyond yourself. Because God put that inside of you. And when we walk through the four steps of our church, uh, which is what we've done over the last four weeks, and today we're ending with our last one, we open to Ephesians 1.17, and this is what Paul says. He says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's why the first step in our church that, we want, that God wants every person to go on is that you would know God. Say, know God that you would know God. God wants you to know him. He wants you to find him. He wants you to, to know who he is. Nothing else matters if this one doesn't happen first. All right. And then he keeps on going. In Ephesians 1.18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And it's not that your heart has eyes like your head does. It's that your heart experiences life differently than your head does. You may see things and process it logically, but how many guys know what you feel and what you think are not the same? And what God has to do once you know him is then he has to help you start experiencing life, not through your pain, but through your purpose. So whenever you look at a situation, you don't look at it through the lens of how someone hurt you 10 years ago. You start looking at it how God wants to use you now, which is why we say God may have gotten you out of a few things, but God may still have to get a few things out of you. Right? And so we need to find freedom. And that's why it's the second step of our church. Right? So we want to find freedom. And then he goes on to say in Ephesians 1.18, he continues, he says, that you may know the hope. Say hope. You may know the hope to which he has called you. In other words, there's a hope. There's a purpose. There's a design. Right? There's a calling. There's something he wants you to do with your life, and he wants to get you there, which is why you need to discover the purpose that God built you for. you got to discover your purpose because he's already put it in you. And by the way, we talked about this last week. One of the things that we always want to make sure people understand is that God didn't see you, save you, and then figure out your purpose. He, he established your purpose, according to Ephesians 2.10, and then he created you to do it. So he's not trying to figure you out. You're trying to figure you out. He already knows what's in you because he put it there for a reason so that you can. And Ephesians 1.18 says that you may grasp the immensity, the grandness, the huge nature. You may grasp the large, huge structure that God has for you of this glorious way of life he has for his followers, right? And so he, he says he has this immense plan, this grand life for you. And that's where he wants you to make a difference with your life to make a difference with your life.
All right? He wants you to do something. He wants your life to matter. Which, that's why we match the fourth step of our church with the transcendence need that God already put in you so that we could make our life count for something. Mark Twain says the two greatest days in your life are the day that you're born and the day you discover why. And I think that's true. The two greatest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you discover why. Because when you realize not just like, you have life, now God wants you to use your life. He wants to walk out the purpose he put in you. You'll be living a life you never knew was possible. That's why we say there's a difference between living a full life and a fulfilled life. Right? In Proverbs 20, 19, 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision. Say vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Some of you have heard this before. Where there's no vision, where there's no goal, where there's no dream, right? People perish. And it's not that they physically die. It's a death to their marriage. It's a death to their hopes. It's a death to their dreams. It's a death to a fulfilled life. It, it, it's where you start living in the minutia of life rather than trying to tackle life with some sort of tenacity. It's a full life, but not a fulfilled life. And in Proverbs 20, 19, in the message paraphrase, it says it like this, and I think it's so good. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, if people can't see how he's ordaining, he, if you can't see the calling, if you can't discover your purpose, if you can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Anybody ever felt like that in life before? You ever felt like you were just kind of making it through, but you weren't thriving? They stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And that word blessed there literally means like happy in your soul. The, the word blessed there, like, it, it mean, how many of you guys have ever, this is kind of old school, so maybe uh, teenagers, this may not land on you the same way it does adults. Y'all remember when kids used to sell lemonade at lemonade stands, right? Now it would be like $5 a cup. I'm just not doing that, okay? But you remember how you would see kids like, no shirt, no shoes, running through the streets. What year is it already? Like, it's just crazy. And they're selling lemonade and like sprinklers going off. And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That whole, right? that, that's literally almost, that's the best way I could translate what that word blessed means. That when you can see what God is doing, you're just living your best life. You're doing, you're, you're living the life that God called you to. And that's the goal, right? And so we say it like this. There are two great challenges. We talked about two great days. But there's two great challenges, right, in life, and it's to find yourself and then to lose yourself. To find yourself and then to lose yourself. And the reason this is so important, and this is what Jesus talked about, is if you only ever find yourself, you'll continue to try to define yourself, which is why the world is the way it is right now. Because all society has tried to do is I need to find myself. But if you only focus on finding you, you try to define you, and you can't define you when God creates your definition. So I try to tell myself who I am. I try to live a life the way I want to live it. I try to tell God and everyone around me who I am, what I'll do, what I'll become. The problem is God is the person that designed you. He's the purpose that put purpose in, or he's the person that put purpose in you. He's the one that's fulfilling you. And so all, if all you ever do is find yourself, you'll constantly feel like something is missing because you're trying to live a life for you. But he actually says, once you find yourself, which, by the way, the only way you can find yourself is to find the person that built you, which is God, then you can lose yourself. And by lose yourself, I mean surrender the life that God has given you. That's why in Mark 8, 34 through 35, it says this. It says, when he had called the people to himself, 
with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall save it. And I love what it says in the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase. He says it like this. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. In other words, if you're living your life for everything on this earth, you're losing scope of eternity. And eventually you may live this life well, but you realize you never actually lived this life with purpose. And that's what God wants from your life. He wants it for your life is that you would walk it out with purpose. And so we say like this, if our whole life is built on finding ourselves, we lose fulfillment. If our whole life is just built on finding me, finding out how, how do I want to live, if my whole life is built on finding ourselves, we lose fulfillment because it's only, who am I looking at the whole time? Me. But if we focus our life on losing ourselves, we find fulfillment. If we put all of our attention on, man, it's not about me, I'm not going to live my life for me. But here's the beautiful thing. Whenever we stop focusing on us and we start focusing on the one who made us, and then we start living our life to make a difference in the lives of others, guess what God automatically does? He starts making our life better. So you can try to make your life great, but how many guys have known, realized the harder you work, the more you try to do for you, it never quite gets you there. But if you'll surrender to God, he'll actually get you to the place you were trying to get you to the whole time. So he puts that purpose inside of you. And that's why John 10, 10 says this. It says, the thief's purpose, the enemy, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus is talking, says, my purpose is that you would have life and have it to its fullness. He wants you to have a fulfilled, a full life where you're using your life to make a difference. And so the four things that God wants us to experience, we've walked through them over the four weeks, but I want to give them to you. First of all, my fulfilled life, say fulfilled. My fulfillment starts by having a relationship with God. Very easy. My fulfillment starts by having a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, you'll never find true fulfillment. But the next thing after you're saying is my fulfillment is enhanced. Stay enhanced. It's enhanced through relationships with others that help me live in freedom. So I'll say it like this. You're never as good on your own as you will be with other people. Has anybody ever realized you give yourself permission you wouldn't let other people give you or you wouldn't give other people? Like for accountability, for example, how many guys have ever tried to diet before? Anybody ever tried to diet before, right? You're like, I'm never eating pizza again. And Friday rolls around, and everybody's like, we're going to get pizza. And you're like, let's get it, boy. <laughs> you know? Why? You'll give yourself permission that you wouldn't give. If someone else were like, hold me accountable, you're like, I got you. But you're really bad at holding yourself accountable, which is why you need to bring other people into your accountability process. Because if it's you by yourself, you'll always give yourself the green light to do the things you said you wouldn't do. So we're all that way. So we need to be in relationships. That's why small groups matter so much. You need to check out our small groups if you're not in one. But then my fulfillment is centered on my God-given purpose. That's what we talked about last week. My fulfillment 
is centered on my God-given purpose. Here's why. You can be doing great things, but you may still not be doing God's thing. I'm going to say it again. Your life may be full of great things, but you may not yet be doing God's thing. And by the way, I'm not saying that when you start doing God's thing, you have to quit all the other things. That's not what I'm saying. For some of you, you've built your whole life on doing amazing things. And you know what? I think you should probably keep doing all of those things. But you keep running out of passion, you keep running out of energy, and you keep getting burnt out. And the reason why is you don't have the one thing in your life that God put in you that actually gives you fuel to do the other good things. And if you would find the purpose God built you for, it would actually give you a fire on the inside that would help you not only do one more thing, which is the God-given thing, but it would actually give you more passion to do all the other things that you're doing as well. So I'll say it like this. If you're a parent in the room, if you would start doing the thing God built you for, you would actually be, have enough energy to do the new thing and be a better parent and be a better spouse and be a better coworker and be a better business owner. So it's about finding what God put in you. By the way, next steps is a way we can help you find what God has put in you to help you get moving in that direction. That starts next Sunday after the 1130 service at one o'clock. So if you want to come, you can actually, we can help you find out what it is so that you can use your life to start making a difference in others. That's why the fourth thing is my fulfillment. Say fulfillment. My fulfillment comes from making an eternal difference in others. Making an eternal difference in others. And I remember I had, I had a dream not too long ago. It's, it, well, it's been a couple of years now, but it feels, it's so vivid, it's stuck in my brain. And I actually, I, I would love to kind of transport you to that place with me if I can. Because God helped me see what I hope everybody can see because it's not reserved for pastors and ministers. This is something God wants for all of us. And he took me, I, I, I was in this dream, I, I went to heaven and I don't know how you see heaven. I was like, you know, streets of gold and all this stuff. And, and, um, and so I, I was walking with Jesus and I, and I can't wait till the day that I see Jesus face to face, but I was walking with Jesus and we walked over this hill. We got over this hill and we were, we were just talking and, and he looked, we looked down and he pointed down and there were just, there was thousands of people in these neighborhoods and just, again, this is like how I see how, I don't know. But, and uh, I, I, as I was looking at it and we were talking and he said, it's, it's so good that you said yes. He said, because if you hadn't said yes, who would have known what all these people came from? He said, the thousands of people at the bottom of this ravine, they're here today because you led them here. Now, obviously, to be theologically correct, it's by the grace of God, the payment of Jesus Christ, right, and all those things. So none of the, nothing happens without that. But God, Jesus in that moment was saying, because you said yes, thousands of people are here today. And my question for you is this, what is your life counting for? Because one day you're going to stand in heaven. And I pray that you're going to be able to look over a hillside and Jesus is going to look at you and say the same thing we all hope to see out here out of the Bible, which is well done, my good and faithful servant. But to look around and see all the people that are in heaven because God used us to make a difference in other people's lives. That's our hope. And that's what we're here for. That's why serving people matters. Matthew 20, 28. If we're going to live a life after Jesus, 
What does it say? It says the Son of Man did not come to be served, right? But to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that's why it's so important that we connect to our purpose and we make it a point to make a difference in people's lives, right? And for the record, if you're here today and like, you're like, man, I want to know more about these four steps. We have two books in the culture shop right over here out this door. Um, Fresh air and four cups. If you're one of those people like, man, I want to know more about this. These two books will help change your life. I promise. I didn't write them. They're not mine. They're somebody else's, but they're amazing. And so God desires to use your life for great things. So how do I do it? That's the question. Well, as I was thinking about it and kind of what we talked about earlier, here's what I think is the biggest thing for you. You need to fall in love with the journey, not the destination. You need to fall in love with waking up tomorrow and living tomorrow as best you possibly can to love Jesus, love the people around you, and make a difference in people's lives. If we all did that, we could change some things. And one of the greatest things that can happen if we were to do that and honestly, this is what I had to, I had to kind of surrender this. One of the greatest ways we can do this is see people as investments rather than interruptions. See people as investments rather than interruptions. I don't know about you, but you probably have that coworker. All of a sudden they're like taking a chunk out of your day and you're just like, duh, right? Or maybe you got someone you know you're close to and they like, they can be a time sponge or, or maybe you've been, anybody ever stopped at the red light and that dude with the sign was grilling you and you're like, nope, and I'm not looking, and I'm not looking, I'm looking straight, right? What if we stopped looking at people as interruptions to our plan and started seeing them as divine moments in God's plan? What if that coworker needs two minutes of your time for you to speak the hope of Jesus into their life? What if that person that you're, what if your neighbor or your friend needs you to declare the hope of Christ in their life. They need to know where your hope comes from and you need to tell them it's from Jesus, right? What if the person at the street corner needs, what if they need $5? But what if with that $5 came just five minutes where you told them, hey, listen, wherever you're at right now, it doesn't have to be the end. Jesus can bring hope back in your life. We could change some things. And what if on this campus, every Sunday, you got to make a difference in people's lives? That's what God wants for you. And so we could say yes to it. And that's why we even have these out in the lobby. I would encourage you guys to grab some of these on the way out today. They're just little cards that says something extra to show you God loves you. And I know of a church where there was a lady and she was, uh, she had decided that she was just done with life. And so she was going through a McDonald's drive-thru. And when she went through the McDonald's drive-thru, she was going to get a last meal for herself. And then she was going to end her life. And she told God when she woke up that morning, she said, if you love me at all, show me. And she went through the McDonald's drive-thru. And I would love to tell you this was at our church. It wasn't. I wish we could take credit for this. It would be awesome. Um, but someone from a church that we know that uses these same cards paid for, the, he just said, hey, I want to pay for the car behind me. And it was hers. And he said, well, you just give this to the person driving the car behind me. He didn't know who she was. And the lady at the window handed her, he said, hey, the car in front of you paid for your meal. And he, they just wanted to do that. And he just says something extra to show you God loves you. And she broke down weeping in her car, crying. And, she, and on the back, it just has information about their church, and so does ours. And 
She sent an email to that church, and this day, seven years later, her and her kids are at that church. She's remarried, and God's completely transformed her life. Yeah, absolutely, because one person... Because one person decided not to see an interruption, but decided to see an opportunity. So that decided to see an investment. And so I would encourage you to grab a handful of these. Next time you go through Starbucks, ladies, <laughs> pay for the coffee for the person behind you, right? Unless they're buying it for the whole office. Then maybe the car behind them, right? So, but just find a way to make a difference in people's lives. I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it. And if we could accept, this is the big thing, if we could accept God's calling to make a difference, in our lives, we can inspire others to make a difference in theirs. So let's all make a difference with our lives and watch God do something amazing, not just in our life, but through our life to touch someone else. And listen, I don't know if we'll change the world, but we'll change somebody's world every day. And that's how you transform a city. You guys want to join me on that? Awesome. I invite you to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you today. God, I just pray that, Lord, you would Speak to our hearts on the fact that you've called us. You've given us a mission. And so, Lord, as we aim to seek you, as we aim to see your purpose revealed in our life, to make a difference with our lives, God, I pray that you would show us how you're working all the time. We surrender to you today, Lord, and we're so grateful. God, for the people in the room that are going, you know what? It's my time. It's time I make my life count. Some of them are going to go to next steps starting next week. I'm going to find my purpose. I'm going to get connected. I'm going to make a difference. Some are going to join small groups this week because they're tired of living a life by themselves. Wherever they're at in their journey, God, I pray that you help show everything you aim to accomplish in our lives. We thank you today, and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you're here with everyone's heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Brad, I, I want that purpose. I want to make a difference. But if I were to be honest, the first step that I need is I need to know God. I know about God, but Jesus isn't the Lord of my life. But you know what? He needs to be. I can feel him speaking in my heart right now, and I'm ready to say yes. Today, if that's you, he's ready to meet you right where you're at. And I want to pray with you. The beauty of the gospel is this. that The Bible says we've all sinned. And sin in our life is what separates us from God. But because Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And today, all we have to do to be saved the Bible says to repent, which is just to turn away from who we used to be, but to put our faith in Jesus. In other words, to believe. And today, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sins, and you believe that he rose from the grave, then today you can be saved. And so I want to invite you today to put your faith in Jesus. And if you're ready to do that, then I also want to invite you to pray this prayer. And this prayer doesn't save you. It just puts words to what you're believing. And that's that Jesus is now the Lord of your life. So I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray it with you. So let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that pray that and celebrate with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. 
more information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. MyTC.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.